Hello and welcome to Stock Stories, episode 69. Welcome. Welcome to the show. My name is Alex and I will be your host today. Stock Stories is the podcast dedicated to helping you, the individual investor, make better investing decisions. And we do that primarily by studying companies one by one, by doing case studies of real companies, companies in the S&P 500, And we also look at mental models. What are the thought experiments that we can use to help us think about investing and life from a better perspective, from the academic philosophical perspective and from the practical real world example perspective? I like to look at both. I think that it helps and I hope you find it helpful as well. So Let's get into a new company today. We're going to look at a different industry than anything we've discussed on Stock Stories so far. So let's talk about J.B. Hunt. All right, J.B. Hunt. So J.B. Hunt is a trucking company. Yes, a trucking company. It's something that has been intriguing me and other members of my family lately as we've been kind of dealing with this idea that artificial intelligence is a real thing and that the trucking industry is one that is being modernized very rapidly in the wake of new technologies such as AI. And it got it got us thinking like, okay, what what's going on with the trucking industry? I haven't actually really studied it before. So I figured, well, why don't I just look at the biggest publicly traded trucking company in the U.S.? And that happens to be J.B. Hunt. Now, where does J.B. Hunt come from? It began as a trucking and transportation company founded by Johnny Brian Hunt back in 1961. And he started out with just five trucks and seven refrigerated trailers. And the main thing that he transported was rice hulls. So just basic agricultural products, moving them to and fro. And it wasn't his first attempt at a trucking company. He, like many entrepreneurs that we've talked about on this show, tried first with a different venture, failed got back up again, learned from their experiences, and ended up creating something lasting and successful. Now, the company grew and grew. They started carrying all sorts of different products, agricultural products, chemical products, you name it. And then by 1983, after the company had been around for over two decades, they had grown to $63 million in revenue. Now, to put that in perspective as far as the number of units they had, remember they started with five trucks and seven trailers. They expanded in 22 years to 550 tractors and over 1,049 trailers. 
So massive expansion there. And that same year in 1983, they ended up IPOing and going public. Nowadays, they operate over 12,000 trucks and 100,000 trailers and containers all over the place, all over the US. And they're now the largest publicly owned um, trucking company in the United States. So this is, this is a big deal. They, they really grew. Now, as far as the aspects of the business, what are the different ways that JB Hunt actually makes money? Well, you can imagine just driving down the highway, you might see one of JB Hunt's trucks just going down the road. And that's one of the ways that they make money. But they make money many ways, as many of these large S&P 500 businesses do. JB Hunt has four segments. The first is intermodal. The second is dedicated contract services. The third is integrated capacity solutions. And the fourth is truckload. Okay, so what does that mean? <laughs> intermodal, I think this is probably the most interesting segment of the, of the segments. Intermodal literally means multiple modes of transport. And mainly this means rail and trucks. So a lot of the way that goods move these days over large distances is through intermodal containers. And that's just really a fancy name for a big rectangular box, a big rectangular box that can sit on train tracks. You can stack them on top of each other on the train track, or it can, that same box can be picked up or dropped off by a truck and be transported via truck. And one of J.B. Hunt's main partners is BNSF, which is Burlington Northern Santa Fe. And they made this partnership back in the late 80s in 1989 in order to help move their goods through a combination of trucks and railroad. And that you can see how the efficiency of a large-scale transportation system really goes up when you're using multiple modes of transportation. So that's one thing that is really important to the revenue and profit story of J.B. Hunt is their intermodal business. Next, you have dedicated contract services. This is when a company has a specific delivery contract that they want and say they want a certain type of route or route system for a five-year period. And they want to kind of own that route. Well, J.B. Hunt will carve out this exclusive contract in order to meet these deliveries. And they can also provide what's known as final mile services. So think about if you are moving to a new house, you moved across the country, and you're ordering some furniture or something like that. Well, maybe a large truck can take that furniture across the country through the highways, but if you live in an urban area with really tight streets or something like that, those large trucks aren't going to be able to navigate those streets. So you need smaller, more tailored trucks to go that final mile to go to your door. And that's just an example of what those final mile services are. The third segment is integrated capacity solutions. These are effectively licensed services using the JB Hunt brand. That's what I've kind of got from reading their materials is that they can outsource to third-party providers in certain circumstances while using 
JB Hunt. So customers trust JB Hunt. They have a large scale. They have a lot of uh, brand recognition in the industry, so they can do that. And then the fourth is truckload. Trucks literally take the load from source to destination. It's as simple as that. <laughs> nothing, nothing more complex there. One thing I like about this business is that the business model is relatively easy to understand. It's pretty easy to see. Okay, you're moving goods from point A to point B. Nothing too crazy there. Now, what do they actually transport? JB Hunt transports all sorts of different items. General merchandise, specialty consumer items, appliances, forest and paper products, food and beverages, building materials, soaps, cosmetics, automotive parts, agricultural products, electronics, chemicals, basically everything. <laughs> okay? If it's something that needs to be moved, JB Hunt can do it especially if it needs to be moved in scale. And this is just one of those sectors of the economy that I think as a consumer, unless you're in the industry or near the industry, you probably don't think about it too much. You know, you order something on Amazon and boom, it's there. You order something on some other website, boom, it's there. Or uh, think about the groceries in your grocery store. All of that food that's in the produce section, that had to get there somewhere, you know, unless the farm is right next door to the grocery store, you're shipping, for example, California is a large exporter of pistachio nuts. And I know this because I was just eating some pistachio nuts the other day as a snack. And if you're living in Illinois, you need to get those pistachio nuts from California to a grocery store in Illinois. And how are you going to do that? Well, you need some sort of transportation service to do that. So it's kind of that infrastructure part of the economy, kind of that connector of goods. And that's that's really the where the core business model comes from. One thing about JB Hunt is that their top 10 customers account for 30% of their revenue, which is not so bad. That seems pretty well diversified to me. Another thing that I like about this business is that when fuel prices go up, JB Hunt will actually charge extra for their services. They'll add fuel surcharges to help offset the cost of fuel. So I really like the fact that it's it's a business model that is somewhat adjustment has somewhat of an offset to inflation because of the cost of of bit of doing business that just gets passed on to consumers. And as long as they maintain their scale as a lower cost operator, then they can maintain margins, maintain profitability. So I think that's good. Let's turn our attention to the financials. I went ahead and compared the 2013 financials with the 2018 financials, which are the most recent. The cash on the balance sheet, okay, there's basically no cash on the balance sheet. And it looks like this has always been the case. JB Hunt is just not a business that really carries a lot of cash. And I was like, okay, well, why is that? And we'll see a little bit later in the financial statements why that is. Now, as far as assets, they've grown from $2.8 billion to $5 billion over those five years. And their account receivables, so the amount of money that they are owed but hasn't been paid yet, has grown from $500 million to $1 billion. Looking at the other side of the balance sheet, their long-term debt has grown from $500 million to about $900 million now. This seems like a lot, but 
given the ratios of assets to liabilities, they really just have scaled over time. They haven't actually increased their leverage ratio that much. So eh, nothing too worrisome there. Let's go to the income statement. Now the sales, remember sales are always so important. They're the lifeblood of any business. In 2013, J.B. Hunt had $5.5 billion in sales. And in 2018, they had $8.6 billion in sales for a 9% annual growth rate. This is pretty strong. A good upper single digit growth rate for a mature business in good economic times. This is pretty much what I would expect. So it's not a huge surprise here, um, but it is a good thing to see that. And the income, let's go ahead and just look at the earnings per share. They've grown from $2.87 in 2013 to $4.43 in 2018, which is a 9% annual growth in earnings per share. So this is great. Now, as far as the cash flow statement, in 2013, they had just about $570 million in operating cash flow. In 2018, that grew to just over $1 billion. So 13% annual growth in their operating cash, which is great. Um, let's see. The investing cash, they pretty much just use it all for buying property and equipment. As you might imagine, it's a trucking company, so they need to upgrade their trucks every several years. I think on the order of every five to seven years, they replace them. And that's a lot of equipment to manage. So a lot of money gets put into that. They spent over $880 million last year on investment cash. As far as financing cash, it's grown from $130 million in 2013 to $200 million in 2018. And this is a little bit of share buybacks and also some dividends. The dividends have been paid for several years now. And J.P. Hunt, they rarely issue long-term debt. They mostly use about a billion dollars or so of revolving credit, and then they pay it back really quickly. So their business model is based on high, high amounts of short-term borrowing that gets repaid quickly. So this is, this is nice because it avoids a lot of debt sitting on the balance sheet typically, but it is something that needs to be addressed uh, immediately. One risk I can see here is that, well, what if the credit facilities dry up? <laughs> what if economic times are bad again? Uh, J.B. Hunt doesn't have that cash sitting on the balance sheet. Say if they raised a lot of debt, if they sold a lot of, a lot of debt during good times and just sat on that cash... Well, now they don't have that cash anymore because now they have to go ask a bank for it. So this is one risk I see in the business model. One thing I noticed about the dividend history, it kind of bothered me that in 2012, the dividend was 71 cents per share, but in 2013, it was lowered to 45 cents per share. This is just something that I happened to come across. And at first I thought, oh, well, that's typical. They're usually stock splits that explain this. Well, nope. No stock splits in 2013. So I was thinking, okay, well, maybe the payout ratio was getting high. Maybe the company is spending a lot of its money on dividends and they're trying to be prudent. Well, in 2012, the payout ratio, again, this is the amount of dividends per share divided by the earnings per share. So how much of the profits is being shipped out to the owners? In 2012, that number was 27%, hardly a high PE ratio or payout ratio. In fact, it's a, it's a low payout ratio. In 2013, this number dropped to 15%. So I'm like, okay, 
I don't know, maybe management was just being really cautious there. I, I have no idea, but I couldn't see anything in the numbers to indicate to me what was going on with that respect. Now, right now, J.B. Hunt is trading their shares at about $90 per share. And let's just say the earnings per share in 2019, based on the growth rate of the past couple years, should be around $4.80.82 per share. Now, that would imply a price-earning ratio of 18, which is a little bit high, but nothing too crazy. The dividend yield right now is 1%. They're buying back about 2% of their shares every year. Um, the, the share buybacks have been steady, but slow in magnitude or low in magnitude. And so you're getting some return there. And their organic earnings growth, I think they could grow, continue to grow at probably 6 to 8% per year. Perfectly normal for a large business like this that's really capital intensive. So what I see in the future is somewhere around 9 to 11% earnings per share growth with maybe some valuation compression coming because I think an 18 PE is probably a little bit high for a business this mature and, and this large. So you might get 7 to 9% returns with this business at around these prices. I don't know. But one thing that I also am thinking about is when bad economic times come, uh, there's going to probably going to be a significant decrease in the income and expenses here. I mean, a business like the trucking business, you've got a model that is very much tied to the health of the general economy. It's not exactly recession resistance. It's based on the network, the movement of goods and services. Just like uh, money moves through the system, through the banking system, it moves through the system of goods and services uh, as far as the economy is concerned. So that's something that concerns me. Uh, Not too much. I think over the long term, this is going to be a good business. Now, circling back to what I said in the very beginning about AI, I think it still remains to be seen how this is going to impact the business. I think labor costs are going to come down because robots will effectively drive trucks or have greater uh, a greater role to play within the business. And this is already being tested by the likes of Amazon and other companies too. So this is something that is actually going on right now. I couldn't find anything related to J.B. Hunt's talking about this, but I may just be mistaken. But this is something that I think will probably increase productivity. Uh, there may be a lot of social backlash because of this, and this is something that concerns me. I think there's a bigger conversation philosophically to be had there, probably a topic for another day. But as far as just the performance of the business is concerned, I see greater efficiency with this because technology is being leveraged to make this network more efficient, make the network of trucks more efficient. So that's something that I see there. All in all, J.B. Hunt seems to be a relatively stable business that is decently managed. It requires a lot of capital, though. It seems like kind of like your average S&P 500 company, but it's pretty stable. So it has some merits. It's not making me jump up for joy, but it's not bad either. So those are my thoughts on J.B. Hunt. Thank you for listening to Stock Stories. Again, my name is Alex. I am your stock storyteller. I really appreciate you tuning in today. If you want to reach out to me or have a conversation with me, I love talking about stocks. Should be obvious by now. 
but you can reach out by hitting me up on Instagram. That's probably my favorite place these days to connect with people. And the name there is Stock Stories One. So Stock Stories and the number one. Thanks to those of you who have started following and DMing me. I appreciate that. Also, you can email me at alex at stockstoriespodcast.com. I love to hear your comments, your suggestions. And if you just want to talk about stocks, let's talk about stocks. All right. Well, that's it for this week. And we'll see you next week on Stock Stories. Stock Stories is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only. You and you alone are responsible for your investment and financial decisions. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, or financial advisor that can analyze your specific situation in the context of your goals and circumstances.